Today, my guest is Professor Mauricio Zolo. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with him. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Mauricio as a person. Professor Zolo is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of his accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Zolo directs the GOLDEN, which is a Global Organizational Learning and Development Network for IMPACT program, as founder and president of a dedicated nonprofit foundation, and a second research program on the neuroscience of innovation and sustainability decisions. His research involves institutional, international institutions, including the UN, EU, OECD, and the World Bank, and is the author of over 50 publications that appeared in some of the most respected journals in the field. He has served as editor-in-chief, associate editor or editorial board member of a dozen leading academic journals in strategy and organization studies. He has served for a decade on the executive committee for, of the Academy of Business and Society, which he helped establish. For the SMS, he chaired the Innovation and Knowledge and Behavioral Strategy Interest Groups and was a founder and chair of Stakeholder Strategy Interest Group. He also served as a member of the executive and research committees of the strategy division of the AOM. Thank you, Mauricio, for joining us. Thank you for the honor of having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Mauricio, what did you want to become when you were a child? That's a wonderful question. Um, my uh, childhood was actually quite um, different from the standard one. I, I was born with a major uh, problem uh, at my eyesight. I can only see about 10% of normal vision and very, very uh, photophobic. So the light hurts my vision. So I couldn't do the normal things that any kid could do, right? Doing sports and stuff like that. So for me, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the early years um, where, uh, first of all, looking for uh, things that are really interesting for me and, and, you know, learning was actually the most interesting part, you know, wanted to know about the world and, and discovering how the world works. Um, so that's been, that's been in a way somewhat forced, but then it became a pleasure. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, a bit, uh, a bit of a distinctive way. I'm looking at things. And can you pinpoint the earliest moment of awareness between foreign versus domestic? Oh, for me, uh, um, uh, learning about the world meant fundamentally going around. Uh, I was very lucky. My, my parents, um, despite my uh, problem with my eyesight, were bold enough to send me out to discover the US and, uh, and England and other places uh, since my early teenage years. Um, and um, yeah, and obviously the more I, I discovered, the more I enjoyed it. And, and <laughs> so it, it was really part of my, my development. Um, so an early, early international <laughs> scholar from that from that perspective. And uh, what made you decide to get into academia? Well, that's a, a, a different um, question. So basically I started actually um, working in both investment banking uh, in New York for 
uh, Merrill Lynch, and then I went to McKinsey. Uh, great um, experiences. Um, but uh, I realized pretty soon that, that I wanted to actually go more in depth. I uh, wanted to understand the problem, particularly consulting is great because it allows you to uh, understand a specific problem, but never really gives you the time to understand it deeply enough. And, and so that it was that frustration uh, on one hand, um, and at the other, uh, it was the fact that I was, you know, trained as an economist, um, monetary economist. And, and so in the back of my mind was always kind of research oriented, you know, thinking. And so it was actually at some point I decided to, to drop, um, you know, the golden cage of McKinsey and move to academia. Perfect. Uh, what's something uh, on your CV that people might find interesting? What is something not on your CV that people might find interesting? Well, um, I think people might find interesting the fact that uh, I have been uh, practicing meditation for about almost 30 years now. Um, and doing it every day, enjoy it every time, every time. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful experience. Actually, it really changed my life for, for the better. Um, many, many different dimensions. Interesting. Well, if you stopped what you're doing today, what's the second best career path for you? What's the second best alternative? I think I would, I would try to enter um, the international institutions or international political arena. Um, I think that we as academics are particularly well endowed to contribute, uh, especially as business academics, to you know, make this world a better place, but we're not doing it. And we're not necessarily equipped um, with the right kind of mindset uh, to do it, but we do have the, the, the potential. And um, I think I would like to yeah, I, I would express, I would try to express it and, uh, and develop it. And yeah, that's the context that I'm, I would be curious to explore. Looking back, uh, do you have any regrets? Something that you wish you would have done, but you didn't? Oh, um, that's an interesting uh, point. I, I'm actually quite, uh, quite happy uh, about what I've been doing. Uh, uh, I feel quite satisfied. Um, but, you know, music is something I've done. I play guitar uh, since I was 10. Um, at some point during my early 20s, I had like two or three different groups from rock and jazz and so on. And um, the fact that I had to drop it after uh, a few years for obvious reasons and professional reasons, that's, that's always been a little bit. I still play guitar from, you know. Uh, time to time, but it's, yeah, I would, I regret that I didn't kind of develop it. Okay. And what are you most proud of? Hmm. Well, I'm very proud of my family, my wife and my daughter. Um, I'm very proud of what I have accomplished so far in, in academia, of course. Um, but I'm very excited about what I'm currently trying to do uh, at Imperial College with the new 
research center that I launched a couple of years ago, the Leonardo Center. Um, it is a really bold attempt to uh, um, essentially uh, rethink the type of role that we have and, and the type of research we make. We do uh, together with uh, business and more importantly, together with all the other um, scientific fields, right? cross-disciplinary uh, work in a field experimental logic. So to try to, to understand what are the better ways, more socially relevant and impactful ways of doing business together with business and doing so with uh, field experiments. That's uh, pretty, pretty bold. Yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Yeah. So uh, can you give examples? Uh, for instance, uh, what are you guys working on? In, uh, so um, the center uh, has established, uh, first of all, research collaboration with 15 different research centers at Imperial College only. Uh, across all the relevant disciplines, uh, starting from you know climate change and environmental uh, impact to health and social sciences and so on, right? Um, it also obviously leverages the golden uh, community that you've mentioned kindly, um, which is a, a global community of uh, scholars, about 150 in 60 different universities. So that's the attempt to create the cross-disciplinary expertise. But the key idea is to engage companies in a, a number of uh, programs uh, that builds on, uh, first of all, on a unique uh, digital data set that uh, uh, we created with some cutting edge uh, uh, machine learning algorithms that basically encompasses all the sustainability initiatives that. Uh, are uh, available uh, on, uh, on the internet with uh, sustainability reports, right? So these are millions of, of initiatives and uh, classify them across SDGs. And, and, and basically that's the basis, the baseline that we use to work with companies to um, design uh, the, uh, you know, new ways of, uh, or innovative ways to, um, deal with the core elements of any organization, right? Governance, incentive systems, control systems, leadership models, supply chain, cultural change. I mean, all the key, we've developed about uh, 12 different, uh, what we call studios, where essentially groups of scholars, right? Uh, interested in the same phenomenon, let's say incentive systems, work together with companies. We have some companies that have uh, become our founding partners at, at Leonardo at the two founding it at the tune of two and a half million pounds each um, over five years. And uh, they're willing to open up for the first time. This is really new, by the way. Um, open up, being willing to not only being interviewed and so on, but actually to do these kind of uh, experimentations with their own uh, systems, with their own people. Um, and that's, that's the novelty uh, that, that finally, not only we uh, have gathered the courage and the goodwill to, to engage companies on 
today's and future rather than always looking back of what they've done in the past, right? Uh, with with uh, experimental designs, but also they have started to consider this actually as something really important. This is in the context of, you know, the transition towards sustainable and integrated logics of, uh, of business, but it can be done also in the context of digitalization or globalization or any other major problem that they feel. It's just that we have not dared to, um, to ask uh, in a serious way and with the right type of uh, engaged scholarship uh, proposals. But Mauricio, this is such a huge undertaking. I mean, this is a huge initiative. Uh, a centralized logic of very decentralized ideas floating around under one roof. Uh, this is quite a huge undertaking. It's, no, it's actually, it's actually quite, I mean, the whole idea, that's why we, we're engaging scholars, not only across all the disciplines in, at Imperial College, but also um, scholars across the world, right? Through, through Golden, it's an open door, right? So anybody who is interested in this um, is more than welcome to join. Uh, the data that I was talking about is gonna be uh, a common good, okay? We're, gonna, we're creating it and we are going to, in fact, we have a, a, a research committee of about 10 very senior scholars that um, <laughs> across the world, right? Not at Imperial, I'm the only one at Imperial, um, who are meeting, um, we're meeting every month to decide how to uh, develop and how to uh, use the, the common good for research for the benefit of, of the whole community of scholars. Fascinating. Uh, so how do you explain your research to people who don't read your work regularly? Say you're stranded, <laughs> but these are commoners. You're stranded in a pub, uh, people don't know anything about you. How do you explain your, um, what so, you do? So there's one overarching question that has, uh, characterize pretty much everything I've done, um, which is how do um, companies evolve? How do organizations evolve? Meaning they, they, they uh, change and, and learn to change. Um, and that uh, is the overarching question, the theory piece, of course, that, that uh, uh, we did with, uh, I did with Sid Winter, that um, is, is, uh, has received uh, quite a bit of citations, but uh, hopefully it has made also a contribution. Um, but more importantly, it has been driving a lot of my empirical work. At the beginning, it was in the context of corporate strategy, alliances, acquisitions, and then bit by bit, it evolved towards much more, if you want, fundamental uh, change uh, processes like sustainability-driven transformational uh, change. Uh, the reason why I've been fascinating for the last 20 years or so uh, about sustainability and um, stakeholder uh, theory in particular, stakeholder orientation, right, uh, is the fact that it basically forces 
companies, managers to uh, to think deeply, in fact, rethink the purpose itself of, of the company, why the company exists, uh, what kind of value they're supposed to create, for whom they're supposed to create it. And then, of course, once they gave new answers to these questions, then, of course, all the rest changes, right? Governance has to change. Leadership models have to change. You know, incentive systems, control systems, and so on, supply chain, everything uh, needs to be aligned with the new purpose. And that's a transformation. That's basically, we have the, we're very lucky. We're, we're living a moment when the object of our study, of our research, is going through a fundamental, you know, it's a Cambrian explosion of ideas about how and, and first of all why <laughs> the the business exists and, and and how it can transform its role in society and we'd better learn how to not only uh, observe the transformational changes but actually be part of it and at the same time and that's the difficult thing to be able to observe and at the same time enhance uh, the quality and the speed of transformation. Perfect. Um, uh, looking back at the research, uh, what are some of the omitted areas, neglected uh, concepts uh, that we should be thinking more of so that it gives us the next There's a lot decade. of work. Uh, fundamentally, we need to reconnect um, the uh, uh, big questions that we're asking in IBE strategy, more generally in, in, in management, um, the academy of management, uh, with this fundamental uh, question about purpose um, and being willing to, uh, you know, integrate uh, and, and frankly, eventually rethink um, the, um, the theories that we've developed <clears throat> under, under this uh, broader lenses. Right? So if we rethink a company as uh, an organization that, that needs to create very broadly defined forms of value, right? not only economic value, but you know, hedonic value and others, for a broader classes of stakeholders, and has to be done, that means that those stakeholders will need not only to be listened to and engaged generally, but actually integrated eventually, even in the decision-making processes, right? In governance, in, in you know, strategic committees, in every functional activity that engages a specific type of stakeholder would need to rethink, we need to basically integrate uh, even the voice of um, representatives of the stakeholders, right? The purchasing department with suppliers, the uh, sales department with customers and so on. And that's a different animal, right? We, we, we don't know what that animal really uh, is. We know that um, that's supposed to be a much more useful, fruitful, um, animal for society, right? So it's the type of enterprise or that 
society would appreciate <laughs> for sure because of the implicit uh, social and environmental impacts <clears throat> and economic impacts, of course, that it has. And um, but we don't know what that is, and and we are um, compelled to rethink our theories um, in 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 this broader terms with this broader general class essentially of uh, of models about purpose um and that's that's a big challenge it's a big challenge i think for for everybody ib strategy academy of management in general i mean you're talking about an evolution I mean, you're talking about a progress a progression towards something new which is based on stakeholder approach um and seeking purpose right so mm. um well studying at the very least and then <laughs> eventually um uh, witnessing studying the 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 change uh in a way that is not only observation but is also eventually facilitation uh somehow um that's why i like the experimental design by the way because it allows us to be rigorous and get the best quality of causal inference. Uh, and at the same time, it helps uh, the object of our study to understand, to first of all, experience directly new and, and potentially better ways of doing things, and therefore to speed up uh, and improve the uh, quality of the transition that they're trying to make. When you're talking about uh, towards a new theory, right? And you're talking about, you're thinking about some boundaries of this new theory. Um, and your methodology that you're um, a proponent of is experimental design, from yeah. what I understand. So uh, what will the new theory look like? What, what, the, what, what, what will it be like? Well, I mean, it's not like we need to throw away the current theories. Um, it's just the more generalizable forms of um, our theories that, that, that integrate the fact that companies are not only uh, existing to maximize shareholder profits, uh, sorry, shareholder returns. Yeah. Still maximizing profits. There's nothing <laughs> that uh, mm -hmm. can ever uh, be said about not maximizing profit. The question is profit for whom and for what reason. Um, the uh, um, way that I've been doing, for instance, is my in my teaching, I've redesigned my strategy course uh, from a stakeholder logic. So I teach competitive strategy and corporate strategy. I teach M&A and alliances, basically, with, a, with, a, with the assumption that uh, companies exist in order to create uh, value for a plurality of stakeholders. Uh, and even though they might have a much, you know, a narrow definition of what their stakeholders are, right, they might be more or less aware and conscious about the breadth of, uh, of their stakeholders. And, but uh, the, the, the fact is that uh, they're all very well aware of uh, the fact that it's not just investors and customers, it's employees, it's suppliers, and it's even local communities or governments that are critical to 
not only create a company, uh, well, actually, to, to actually ex- to make sure that the companies exist first of all, and then you know growth and 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 uh, profitability. Sure. The, the license to operate is given by by the local communities, right? Um, so com- any company exists because it was given a license to operate by a city hall, wherever they've incorporated. Um, and, and, and we're taking for granted, they take for granted and we take it for granted that uh, that license to operate is, once it's given, it's always there. Yeah, it's not gonna be there. Sure. They can take it away. True. Uh, so about the advice for the sake of time, advice portion, what do you wish you had, uh, you'd known uh, when you were starting out? What was the best advice you received from your mentor? So I had a, a number of mentors. Uh, I was, I've been very lucky, I must say. Um, and uh, they have each obviously uh, given me uh, really deep uh, personal advice for, for my uh, for my thinking about the problems that, that I wanted to, to, to tackle. And despite the fact that they were all, and they are all um, uh, deep uh, uh, thinkers, they uh, all had one thing in common. They really gave me the uh, um, thirst for empirical validation of, um, yeah, <laughs> radical innovative uh, theoretical ideas, right? So, so they, they were able to um, push me, or at least I, I took uh, both the, the, the passion for coming up with, yeah, radical, relevant um, theoretical concepts, but at the same time, you know, really uh, trying to understand the, uh, the, uh, the phenomena uh, quite deeply uh, before, before even trying to apply uh, theoretical ideas. So, uh, and so, it's hard. It's hard to do both, right? One, yeah. one typically specializes either in one or the other. Um, so I, I want to ask you, uh, where do these creative ideas come, uh, come from for you? Uh, this, when you're sitting, uh, your mind is wandering in a state of idle curiosity. Uh, all of a sudden you think about, obviously within a framework, um, you're thinking about something very creative. Uh, where do these ideas come from? Showers are usually a <laughs> very interesting uh, places where some creative ideas come. Um, but on a, on a more serious note, uh, the, um, one of the reasons why I have created this um, uh, community, this uh, interdisciplinary community of scholars, and I've done work, as you've mentioned, also with neuroscientists, as well as uh, now with environmental scientists, and we have really uh, health scientists and so on. The the uh, the thing is, uh, it's hard to walk out of our comfort zone. We are academics, so we uh, are both passionate, but also proud of being experts 
in our own narrow field of knowledge. And we hate the, um, uh, even the idea of looking stupid, right? Or ignorant, more in general, not stupid, but at least ignorant. Um, and that's the barrier, right? The psychological barrier that we have, but we must, uh, we must defeat that barrier. We, might, we must build it down, um, especially as business scholars. Um, <laughs> it, it is actually today more than ever uh, fundamental. We are not, we don't have a voice, neither individual nor collective voice even the Academy of Management of the IB, AIB or SMS, even collectively, we don't have a voice in the issues that really matter in the world. Why? Because we are not, we haven't really pushed ourselves to go out and really, yeah, look ignorant, but at the same time being willing to share what we know with people in other fields. And, you know, build research programs, write research grants, and execute uh, cutting-edge, uh, you know, cross-disciplinary research, which, by the way, is exactly what the big research agencies are hoping to fund and what the serious top-quality research journals are dying to publish, okay? So this is the, the paradox, right? Our self-imposed limitation, cognitive limitations, are essentially inhibiting our capacity to produce the kind of research that would be funded, would be published, and that the world needs. It's pretty stupid, isn't it? It's very deep, actually. I've been taking notes to... There's a lot of things to think about. Uh, a couple of items for junior faculty and uh, PhD students, um, young scholars. Uh, advice that you would give them, uh, takeaways, uh, so that they know what to do, what not to do. Well, the first one is look for um, senior scholars, mentors that think broadly, think not only deeply, there are many uh, who think deeply, but you want to look for those who think broadly as well. Um, people who uh, are interested uh, and maybe have experience in working on fundamental societal issues, hmm? not just the research question, you know, the business you know, related business questions, but societal issues that have a fundamental business uh, implication. And that of course will require in order to be tackled the collaboration with um, other scholars in other fields, social science, you know, natural science and so on. That's number one. The number two is, have the courage to learn methodologies and, um, and also eventually uh, literatures, at least in, you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be a neuroscientist in order to work with neuroscientists. 
Okay, you need to be a really good uh, business scholar, but who has at least the working knowledge of the language, you know, related to the neuroscientific, you know, issues that uh, you want to study. Okay, um, what happens in the brain of the manager in a, in a in a global enterprise when he or she has to make a decision uh, that you're interested in, right? That's a question that is interesting for you, and it's interesting also for neuroscientists, for instance. And not only that, but also not what happens, but also what are the, for instance, the interventions, the learning processes that might influence in a positive way, the type of uh, uh, neural and behavioral processes and therefore the decisions, the quality of decisions that that manager makes. Um, this is just an example, of course, but, but it is fundamental uh, for, uh, I think, a junior scholar today to uh, really start thinking about, um, uh, again, these, these fundamental issues start from society, then get into business and then broaden it up once you've made the link, broaden it up to the relevant disciplines that can uh, uh, speak to the same phenomenon, but obviously with different uh, methodological and theoretical lenses. Beautiful. Uh, what's the question that I should have asked you about sevens? <laughs> what am I gonna do next? Um, there you go, what are you going to do next? Um, well, I really want to. I'm very, <laughs> very curious to see uh, what um, what's going to happen with Leonardo. Um, I, as I said, if the uh, initial successes maintain and 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 develop, this could be a a start of a new way of doing business research, and. Um, and that would uh, hopefully allow me to then connect, as I was saying before, to some of the other things that I haven't done, right? Um, that, I, that I would like to do in my life, which is be um, involved and be uh, relevant to the uh, major issues uh, that, that society is grappling with. So engage not only business leaders, but um, you know, policymakers, um, international institutions, and so on. Uh, and, and that's, I'm really curious to see how this will unfold. Thank you so much, so much, Marcio. This was very interesting. I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thank you. Well, thank you. I really appreciated the opportunity and, and enjoyed the process as well. Thanks a lot.